0: We start in on a new series where we are going to start by asking the question of uh, who do we say Jesus is, and then looking at what Jesus says about himself. A few things that I want to invite you to, as those of you who were around last quarter might remember, we did a 40-day kind of exploration, a survey, uh, if you will, through the Old Testament where we got to see the story of God and God's people. Well, because you asked, we have delivered. Uh, This quarter, we're going to do a 30-day exploration, the In Bible Challenge, through the New Testament, where we see the continuation of that story in the person of Jesus Christ. What a great opportunity to... Uh, to be guided through, uh, some devotional readings to the Gospels and the balance of the, of the New Testament. We have good old fashioned analog copies that you can pick up on the back. Or, of course, you can go to theinbiblechallenge.com. It's pretty cool, I think, that, uh, uh, one of our student interns, uh, Taylor Jacobs, kind of wrote this curriculum, and then Mitch Lepke kind of put it into the web format. So we, uh, I really want to invite you to take advantage of this. It's a great opportunity uh, to do that. And then one more thing before we move on, and uh, I want to especially get the attention of the men. We've got uh, one spot really left on the Peru trip, one spot left on the DR trip, and a few spots where guys... We need you to step up. Ladies, good for you for making it happen and get in there. But we'd love to, to have a few more guys step up uh, into those positions. So I invite you, if you're thinking about missions, uh, go visit the deputation missions table uh, tonight and ask a few questions. We'd love to have a few more guys out there. Okay. Um, Hey, any any uh, any vegetarians in the house tonight? All right, good. They, okay, any whether you're a vegetarian, I almost assume that the vegetarians are tofu fans. Any tofu fans in the house tonight? Okay, I am thankful to my vegetarian brothers and sisters for introducing me to the to the, really the the wonderful, amazing soy product that is tofu. It's good and good for you. Okay, it's really great, you know, just in its traditional form in a soup, especially. I like tofu when it is served, like, on a salad or, or in this manner. But as a carnivore myself, I kind of struggle when those same vegetarian comrades are like, hey, um, you know, I'm not really a meat eater, but, oh, tofurky. Tofurky gets it done for me. It's just like eating meat. Okay, and I, you know, I, so I, I indulge, and I have a little tofurky, and I'm like, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of like it, but, you know, not quite the real thing. Of course, then there's, that. I mean, that looks like a tofu salmon or a tofu steak. It looks pretty good. But every time I, I, I have a tofu steak, I'm like, oh, it's not steak, okay? It's not quite the real thing, and you can tell. But the thing, you know, I'll indulge it, and, and I'll eat it. It's good. But the thi- where, where it goes a little bit too far for me is when we get to uh, toe bacon, because really, there's just, there's just no good substitute for real, real bacon, okay? Okay, I bring this, you know, because tofu's become kind of that universal substitute, right? That isn't it amazing that we can take this soy product and pretty much turn it in to whatever food we want it to be. Well I bring this up because in some ways sometimes we treat our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus like it's it's little more than a type of spiritual tofu. Where we we turn Jesus into a little more than than kind of this this genie that shows up to help us just when we need it that midterm genie that that midterm that we didn't study for but we we get a good grade on it and so we ascribe this blessing as God is the one who just helps me do well on my tests you know or maybe maybe we have the um, the this view of, of Jesus that, um, hey, I don't have to make any decisions because, you know what, Jesus makes all my decisions for me. Kind of allows us to be the, the scapegoat Jesus, okay? I don't make any decisions because he just makes them for me. Or maybe there's the, there's sometimes I get nervous about the whole Jesus is my homeboy thing where we just use that idea to have this, this thing that just blesses the behavior that I've always demonstrated and leaves me just the way I am. As we get into a new series tonight, I want to start off by saying Jesus <laughs> is not tofu. We can't just make Jesus into whatever we want Jesus to be. And in fact, what we primarily turn to as we seek to see what is, who is this real Jesus this Jesus that goes beyond our own desires or what we think or what we might want in any given moment, we need to meet the Jesus of the Bible. You see, Jesus invites us to know him. Jesus invites us to know the real him, if you will, to get a bigger, more accurate idea of who he is through what Jesus says about himself in scripture. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight and through the rest of the quarter. Now, before we get started, I want to do something that we don't usually do in this segment of the Inn, but I think is a compelling question for us as we get this series started. Okay? So I want you to turn to one no more than two other people and I'm going to give you 60 seconds, no more, no less, to talk about this question. What has shaped what has most shaped your view? your understanding of Jesus? Is it a youth group leader, a young life leader, the media, Twitter, movies, the Passion of the Christ, anyone? Whatever it may be, what has most shaped your understanding of Jesus? 60 seconds to share with somebody around you. Ready, go. Five, four, three, two. Okay, now I clearly, even by the conversations and even what I could kind of eavesdrop up here on front, there is a lot that contributes to shaping our view of of Jesus. And again, what we're going to do the rest of this quarter is, is look at the Gospel of John, and specifically we're going to look at the I am statements of Jesus, these statements that Jesus makes about himself when he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life, the light of the world. I am all these things. What do they mean for us? How do they help us get to know who Jesus is, who this this God incarnate is, um, all the bigger? or all the more. But tonight, we want to start by looking at a passage in the Gospel of Luke, because I think it's the passage that really provides the motivation and the context for why an exploration of exploring what Jesus says about himself is really valuable. And so we're going to start tonight by looking at the words of Luke 9. Now, I know that there's a group of of leadership seniors that spent a lot of time last spring looking at the story of the feeding of of the 5,000, this miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. And the story that we're about to read, comes after that miracle. Well, if if some of you may remember that that as they're going out to feed the 5,000, the disciples are tired, and they have their own idea, their own view of what they really want from Jesus and what they want to experience from him. And feeding 5,000 people was not really in the cards. And so after that story, we come um, to this story. We're going to pick it up, Luke 9, chapter 18. It says this, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Okay, this is Jesus essentially asking, what am I perceived as? And essentially uh, what, what they go on to say is that you are a man of God. Some say John the Baptist, some others Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets from long ago that has come back to life. Okay? They're they're saying, look, um, you're essentially a future Hall of Famer. That would be the best way to to kind of put it in a context that that we might understand. You are a man of God, a future Hall of Famer. Um, But then Jesus fires this question right back at him. But what about you? Verse 20, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Now, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. Okay, big moment here. Peter's got it right. Peter doesn't always get things right, but he got it right right here. Jesus is not a prophet. Though Jesus is a prophet, he's more than that. He's God's anointed. He's the one that would be the salvation of Israel, the one that they had been waiting for, admittedly looking a little bit different than that one they had all been waiting for. Jesus continues by saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Now, this is not something that they would necessarily be fired up about for the one that they're calling God's Messiah. Okay, their expectations are already being shattered. Then he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, verse 23, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very selves? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and in the holy angels. Essentially, he finishes by saying this, if you are going to say that I'm God's Messiah, then you can't be indifferent about this. To make a statement like that is something that you can't just say, oh, I know who you are. You're God's anointed Messiah. All right. See you later. Okay. It doesn't work that way, that there is a response that that's necessary. If this is true, then it means something big for Peter. And I think it means something big for us as well. And that's why we want to look at that this quarter. So what do we do with this? Okay, three quick reflections that I, I want to make tonight to invite us in for the rest of this quarter and even in to the balance of the spring. That first and foremost, this is an invitation to know Jesus. Jesus invites us to know him when he directly asks the question, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Well, how do we get to know somebody? How do we get to know who somebody really is? Perhaps uh, you've had this experience with a a professor. Where there's a professor that has a reputation as pretty hardcore, maybe a tough grader, uh, lots of reading, whatever it may be. I know that I had uh, a, a handful of those professors throughout my life. And the last one I had was in the last class that I took in seminary. Okay. He was a professor of Hebrew exegesis. Okay. Which means we were, we were reading the book of Jeremiah in Hebrew. Okay. Front to back. Okay. And this guy was, was really smart. Uh, but known as kind of a hard grader, and I was already struggling with this. Well, one day, as I'm working on a project in the library of the, the place where I went to school, he just comes up and sits down next to me at this desk and, and just asks, Hey, how's it going? Okay, this guy who was supposed to be like a total, you know, total hardcore bad A, you know, is saying, Hey, how's it going? Wants to know. Okay, I'm, I'm fine, you know. So we talk about the Hebrew project for about five, not even five minutes, two minutes. When then he just starts, you know, we just start talking as as friends, and he starts telling me about the challenges of being in, being an academic working as a Hebrew uh, professor at Fuller Seminary. He also worked at, at UCLA. And, you know, and then he starts, starts asking me for advice, like, hey, you're a pastor. Maybe you can help me out with this. You know, like, w- like, what am I supposed to do living? You know, my kids are growing up in Southern California. My son the other day is walking around like whistling Flo Rida. What do I do? Okay, <laughs> and all of a sudden... It was an opportunity where, where instead of just knowing this guy through what others had said about him, we get to have this conversation. And I get to see more of who he really is through having a conversation with, directly with him. When we talk about there's an invitation in what Jesus says of who do you say I am, in this gift that we have in the Bible, the invitation is come and have a conversation directly with me. Let's go and have this conversation with Jesus where we get the opportunity to interact with Him to hear who He says He is, in the same way that I got to sit down with that professor. Second, okay, and this may sound a bit redundant, but there's an opportunity to know Jesus more. Did you catch what happened with, with this, this question? Who do you say I am? And there's first this response of, well, some say Elisha. Some say John the Baptist, other one of these, these prophets. Okay, that there is a knowledge of who this person is. And of course, Peter steps in with then uh, the right answer. Some of you have heard me share around this before, but my journey, not unlike what we heard from from Tom earlier this uh, this evening, and Tom got me fired up, by the way. I'm I'm so stoked that we are part of a of a legacy here of God's work that lasts over four decades in this place. I know uh, some of you, uh, your parents actually met at the inn. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the inn. Okay, praise God for that. As a as myself as a college student, 1994. I came to the University of Washington and I, I had grown up uh in the church and essentially had come to a faith where I thought what it meant to to live the faith kind of the end all was to be a really good person. And the primary image that I had was that was that good people went to church. And so I had this idea. I wanted to be a good person, so I went to church. Well, as I, as I left home and had the opportunity to uh, move in a fr- into a fraternity and kind of reinvent myself, I kind of found myself, you know, dabbling in different sin and, you know, engaging in what I like to call garden variety fraternal hedonism. And then, but all the while, I kept coming to this place, kept coming to the inn, and instead of just becoming a good person, all of a sudden I was hearing about this whole thing, a justification by grace through faith, okay, essentially saved by grace. Salvation isn't something you earn, salvation is through the grace of God. Well, for a while, that just accelerated my sin. But then I began to recognize that there was something wrong. And the way that I had always thought about God kind of fell apart. Okay, this box fell apart on me. And for a while, it felt as if I really wasn't even a Christian. As I was rethinking what it meant to, to follow Jesus and to know who he was. Well, as I continued to watch guys that I was living with who were pursuing their faith, and as I got into the scriptures, that box got rebuilt. Only this time, the box was a little bit different. And, I, you know, one of the scriptures that I always remember, and it was through a, a series that was happening here at the inn, was Romans 8. There was something that kind of clicked for me when I heard that there was nothing in all of creation that would be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Well, the box got rebuilt, and it was bigger. Well, then, uh, several years later, I actually started working on staff here at the inn. And honestly, if you would have met any of my friends my first couple years of college, and they would say, oh, yeah, that guy. You know, in 20 years, he's actually going to be the director of the inn. They would have been like, next. Sorry, I just sprayed the people here in the front row. (laughs) Okay? Totally different. Well, once I started working here, you know what happened? I had a moment of... That box fell apart. In fact, I remember a time when I had to give a talk on Easter on the resurrection. And I was up here not actually believing, not actually believing in the resurrection. And yet, as I continued to weigh the evidence and as I continued to read the Bible, particularly the accounts of the response of people after Jesus' resurrection, the box got rebuilt. And this time it was bigger. You see, for, for me, and I think for so many of us, the journey of faith is, is something like that. And the invitation here to see Jesus as not just a prophet, but to see him as God's Messiah, the anointed one, the one that would save Israel is an invitation to change that answer that we once had. To have the, the boxes, the ways that we think about Jesus, the way that we think about God destroyed, only to be rebuilt and hopefully have them be, in the end, a little bit bigger. That's the opportunity that we have when we come to a series where we get to see Jesus again afresh. So we're invited to know Jesus. We're invited to grow, grow and grow up in how we know Jesus. And finally, we respond with our lives. Jesus says, if you are going to follow me to be my disciple, if you're going to say that I'm the Messiah of God, it merits our lives and we daily pick up our cross. Now, if you're being a good skeptic, if you're being a good disciple, this is the part where you should be thinking something along the lines of, why would I ever do that? My life works, and this gospel is calling me to suffering, to picking up my cross. Why in the world would I do that? I want to say this, that the reason that we would do that, the reason that we would pick up that cross and maybe choose the more difficult or awkward situation is because that's where we can experience the reality of God's grace and love. That's where we remember our own need and how God might even meet that need. A pastor and theologian in New York City, uh, Tim Keller, says this. Jesus came, among other things, to take the melancholy burden of living for yourself off of you and always being worried about your own needs There's nothing more catastrophic than that. The self-pity and absorption is terrible. The only way you're actually going to surrender and live for someone else is if you surrender to a king you trust won't oppress you. You see, if we are going to pick up our cross, there needs to be a good reason to do so. What I want us to do this quarter is to see once again... That the one who calls us to pick up our cross is also one that reminds us that I have come to give you life and life to the full. That I am the good shepherd. I'm the bread of life. I want to meet your needs. I want to be with you. That this is a king that will not oppress us. So what does that look like for us? It means that we get to know Jesus and form a response that may lead us into a living situation that's a little bit more difficult. It may lead us to, to engage with our parents in a way that maybe we never have because we need to change patterns that we established long ago to, to develop a new relationship. It may mean that we charge into places among the poor and disenfranchised that are not convenient that might be a little bit messy and chaotic, but it is in those places that this, this faith, this grace, this love, this crazy love becomes a little more real for us. And the place that we meet this person, the primary place that we get to know this King that won't oppress us, that invites us to discover life and meaningful life and life to the full, is in the pages of Scripture. So join with us not only on Tuesday nights, but in doing the, the in Bible challenge, in seeing who this Jesus is afresh, or or maybe it's even for the first time. Get to know Jesus. Get to know him a little bit more. Friends, Jesus is not tofu. He's the real thing. And he is dying for you to know how much more he loves you than you tend to give him credit for. So let's commit to making these boxes a little bit bigger. To tearing some down and making them bigger as we once again meet Jesus in the pages of scripture and respond to him with our lives. Let's pray. God, help us in this journey. Help us to know you more. Help us to get an accurate picture of who you are and how we might respond to your love and grace, how we might daily pick up our cross, knowing that you won't oppress us, but that you are, in fact, with us. Lord, help us know know the reality of who you are. May we know your truth. May we know your grace as we journey together. In Jesus' name, amen.